just because you're on LSD doesn't mean there aren't aliens in your living room. Hi, and welcome to Backup Central's Restored All Podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup, and I have with me my home organization consultant, Prasanna Maliandi. How's it going, Prasanna? Home organization consultant? Well, you know, you're, I'm good, you're making Curtis, comments you? on my, you said my camera's got a wider angle than normally, so you're commenting on my, on the organization or lack thereof of my office, I believe. No, it, it wasn't. It was just a different view than I'm normally used to. Because normally I get to see your wonderful bookshelf behind yeah, you, with with all right? of my with so, all of the books that I've written on it. <laughs> it's it's a vanity yes. shelf, is what it is. <laughs> Including the one in Japanese. I, have, I didn't write. I didn't write the one in Japanese, but someone translated it for you. It was translated into Japanese. I, I thought that was really cool, and and I had it somewhere. And this guy who was learning Japanese. He came, so it was. It was backup and recovery is the name of the the original name of the book, and it, mm-hmm. it, it was translated into Japanese. And then he came up, and he was looking at the cover, and he's like, "He's like, oh, your, your book's been translated into Japanese." And I said, "Yeah." And, he, and he's looking at the title, and he's like, "Bakubari kabari." <laughs> I was like, "That's what that says." It says backup and recovery, and. What is that? Kanji? Is that the that's Japanese, right? Kanji? I think yeah. And yep. I just thought that was hilarious that they didn't they didn't <laughs> translate the words backup and recovery into whatever the equivalent Japanese words are. Which I think is common. I think that a lot of times you have the English spoken words, yeah. right? I know you've seen Bollywood movies, I have. so I have. I've <laughs> seen yeah. Random and English does randomly it, pop up. Especially when yes. it comes to the technology and, and uh, don't they say like Aircon or something for like air conditioning. I mean, I, I know so, when yes. I say they, I mean, there's only like 200 languages in India. <laughs> um, yeah, I think sometimes they can say yeah. that. Yeah, I know what they do in the Philippines. They say aircon. By the way, speaking of the Philippines, yeah. the weightlifter yeah. who won the gold medal at the yeah. Olympics for the first gold medal for the Philippines. First medal for the awesome. Fil- first gold medal for the Philippines. My, my wife's family is, you know, all super excited over there. Big day for them. Mm. And also there was. Uh, Bermuda now won a gold medal, and now they're now the smallest territory to ever have won a medal. Mm, what did they? Do you remember what they won it in? No, not a clue. I think it was. Not, <laughs> I was going to say yeah. a gold medal in losing things, you know, like Bermuda yes. Triangle. But, <laughs> but yeah, so that's what's going on right now. Obviously, this this thing, this episode, will be broadcast uh, after this is all over. So the you know the big thing about Simone Biles recently uh, stepping down, um, you know she did that for her own mental health reasons. Everyone should take a mental health day and focus on their health. Like even early in my career, right? I'd be like, I need a mental health day because it's important to just sort of get yourself, take care of yourself. Old guys like me, persona, we just said, I'm taking the day off. <laughs> we didn't say I'm taking this- a mental health day, but we meant the same. So day. We're going to talk about the title of this podcast will be How Good Is Your Backup Really? And we're borrowing that title from an article by that same name written by Sandra Bogle in itpro.co.uk. It was written in May of this year. So it's it's very you know apropos to everything that's going on. And the thing is that, would you agree that like 
COVID changed a lot of things about backup, but it didn't change sort of the fundamental need for backup. Would you would you agree with that? Oh, definitely yeah. agree with that. The fact that your data is still important, regardless of the fact that people are now working from home, they have their laptops at home, everything's not just all in a data center. People started using Zoom, by the way, you should throw out our disclaimer. Oh, yeah. Throw out our disclaimer. <laughs> I, <laughs> so it's interesting that you use Zoom as a as an example there, uh, since you do work for Zoom. So Persona works for Zoom. I work for Druva. This is neither a podcast of either company. Uh, the opinions that you hear are ours. If you'd like to write the podcast, we'd love to have you do so at ratethispodcast.com slash restore. And if you're interested in you know these topics, uh, data protection, storage, security, ransomware, Anything peripheral to those topics, then we would love to hear from you. Contact me at wcurtispreston at gmail.com or at wcpreston on Twitter. Now people started using other collaboration tools since they weren't able to go into the office and work in the same place, right? Be it um, Microsoft 365 or whatever else, those started to become really popular and prevalent. And now it's like, okay, all your data is stored there. How as an IT person do you back that data up? Because as we all know, those SaaS services, they're not really there to back up your data. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, the it's because and, and, I, I know at Druva, we, we saw a big increase in interest in 365 because I think they saw an increase in, in interest in 365 because there was an interest in having IT infrastructure that wasn't in the office, right? That wasn't in the data center yeah. because they didn't because they couldn't manage the things that were in the data center because they didn't have anybody in the data center. Exactly. It's like if something failed or if you needed to expand out or whatever else, it's like, who's going to go into a data center in the middle of the pandemic when everything was shut down? You know, let's face it. We didn't want to go in the data center back in the day, but, you know, we definitely (laughs) didn't want to do it in the pandemic. Um, So so this article I thought was pretty good. uh, And I thought we'd just sort of comment on it a, a little bit. And so... The, the, the first big heading here, it had revisit, revise, repeat. And I think that that is a, it's a, what would you call that? It's a common mentality or phrase that we talk about in backup and recovery and disaster recovery. And that is that your backup system, your backup system design is never 100% done. You can't completely, <laughs> as much as you'd like to set it and forget it, you can't really do that. At least not forever. It's not like the Sistine Chapel and there's, or it's not like, yeah, or the uh, Mona Lisa. Right. Right. It's not, you're done, you're done, right? Backup, it's always changing. You're always having to adapt, be it new applications or new issues, data growth, scalability, other things like that. Yeah. And there, there was a point made in the article that sometimes when you have an event like this, like a pandemic or what's going on right now, we sort of have a... um uh, a ransomware pandemic going on, and there, there was a there was a a point made in the article in that first section that said that basically you can use these things that are going on to give you an excuse to sort of revisit these topics, right? You can you yep. can you know if you've been that person who is that that annoying person in the IT directors <laughs> here always talking about backups and never happy, never happy enough with how good the backup system is, right? You can, this can give you that extra reason. It's like, Hey, you know, you remember we've been having that conversation 
Yes. There have been 57 ransomware attacks in the last 15 yeah. days. You know? See, see you were being nice. I was going to go like Chicken Little and the world is falling. <laughs> yeah, so you've been, you've been Chicken Little, <laughs> you know? right? Yeah, because it is true, right? There's so many ransomware cases and companies being hit that it's like, do you want to be the next company? Maybe this is something we should revisit yeah. and consider. Yeah. What should we be so doing? So you can literally bring in <laughs> pictures of the sky falling. And say, I told you, dang it! Well, just, you know, I, I think you've heard me say this before. Uh, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean nobody's out to get you. Like, <laughs> I saw something yesterday. It was like, just because you're on LSD doesn't mean there aren't aliens in your living room. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, th- use this as an opportunity to revisit things, and because the other point is. Right now, it's not that businesses and work isn't or is slow, but it's that it's different than how it normally is, right? And so it gives you the opportunity to sort of plan things out and figure out what you want to do while it's kind of a little in if while there's a little lull. Right, right. And yeah, while things are in, I don't know if I'd call it a lull, but I would call it like in flux, right? Yes. And it's, it's an opportunity for change. There, there's a certain amount of uncertainty and you can help shore up, shore up some of that uncertainty. And also, this could be a time to revisit some of the core tenants that you've based your backup system on, one of which is typically everything we're backing up is within the data center, right? <laughs> and, and that, that hasn't been the case for many organizations for a while, that the data center has not been the center of data for a while, but the pandemic has made that much more true in many other organizations. You, you think that's... I no, I completely agree, especially previously you might have had some percentage of people who the data wasn't in the data center, but everyone else is like, oh, all my data is in there. Right. The pandemic really forced that across a wide group of right. industries, right? And and now everyone has to start thinking. And the people I think who actually might have struggled the most are the people who were only data center focused. Right. And then suddenly right. all their stuff is outside the data center and they still they're they're still expected to protect it. If you're considering, you know, if if you're cons- considering making a change, there are things to think about and when you're I'm I'm going to put all backup system. I like to categorize things, right? Because I, I don't want to mention specific mm. products. It makes sense, but I want to make mention specific types of products. And I think of three types of products. One is pretty much the traditional type of product, and that is I buy an OS or I download mm-hmm. Linux or something, right? And I install that OS. I maintain that OS, and then upon that OS, I install backup software product X. Right. That's just like you would have installed Microsoft Word on your exactly, laptop. Exactly. Just like that. Right. And then the second is a more modern approach, which is that I get an image from the backup vendor. And that image contains both the operating system and the app, the backup application. And I, I'm therefore not responsible for the maintenance of that OS other than to download and install the latest image for that box and this yeah. that image could be a, and, an OVA for an OVA that's the right term right OVA yeah 
Yep. That image yep. could be an OVA or it could be just an image that's that you're it's basically like firmware that you install it onto your um, uh, appliance. So that's the second uh, box. Yeah. And, 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 Go ahead. and for that second one, I think an important aspect is the OS maintenance and patching, right? In a lot of places, right, you want to make sure that your OS is patched with all the latest security updates, that it's not vulnerable. And usually when you have the second case where the vendor gives you both the operating system and their software all as like an mm-hmm. image, usually they have everything pretty locked down. Right. They, right. Yeah. And so that basically the, the responsibility for all that lies on their shoulders. Yeah. And your responsibility yep. is simply to, to put the, the latest. It's in yeah. the right place. Uh, yeah. And then the third <laughs> category is where you don't have any access to the box or the operating system. And that is the SAS type data protection system, which of course is a, the employer, like the employee that I work at Druva. And uh, in that case, you're even further removed from you have zero responsibility because you're putting all of your trust in that operating system and that application up to the vendor and the, and they do all of it, they, including loading any recent versions. That seemed like a pretty recent, or, I mean, a pretty decent way to split up the industry. I like the categories. Mm-hmm. I think for the third one, I might be a little bit nitpicky. Sure. Uh, because even as a consumer, you're still typically in backup. You're still responsible for installing that agent, whatever is collecting data from the Correct. source. Right. But but you are not responsible for a lot of the service side of right. and the backup. I, I would say that that is true regardless of which option yep, that you choose. You right. You're always responsible yep. for installing that agent. Although uh, there will be some out there go, wait, we're agentless all the time. Right. Um, okay, so it, except you're responsible for making sure that the agentless agent don't make me don't let me roll my eyes. The agentless agent can be installed. I, I, it's complicated. I don't want to go into it. Yeah, but other yeah. than that, I totally yeah. agree with your okay. three categories. So, I so I'm going to use those categories in this 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 discussion, right? So the the first thing that I think that we need to focus on from a data protection standpoint in today's world is to look at how your backup system and the architecture of your backup system protects you from a security perspective, right? Because it is the last line of defense. It is the last line of defense in ransomware. It could be maybe even a second line of defense, not the as well as the ultimate line of defense, because it could help uh, identify ransomware, right? It, it could be, it can move up the stack as it were, right? And, and so I, I think that, although at this point, I'm going to say, I'm going to put table stakes. I'm assuming that the thing works, right? That that it's able to back up and restore all of the things that you need backed up and restored. That's an obvious, please don't anybody go, well, what about backups? Yes, that part has to work. But I'm saying right after that, I think in today's world, the most important thing it needs to do is be secure. What do you think of that statement? So when you said secure initially, I was thinking, oh, from a security vulnerability That's perspective. That's what I'm talking about. But I what do, else are you talking about? No, no, no. But I wasn't necessarily associating that directly with ransomware. Oh, right? well, I just, yeah. But I agree. Yeah. But I agree with you, though, right? If your backup software is not secure, it could be susceptible to ransomware, 
which also means that it isn't going to be effective in recovering your environment from ransomware. Right. You you are correct. <laughs> it, it sort of there, there are there are two separate issues. One is sort of the secure the, you know inf- traditional information security which is the front end protection for a possible back end attack of ransomware, right? So if you're if you're product has, and again, I don't want to name specific product names, but in the news right today, there is a competing backup product that has three zero-day vulnerabilities that went public and they're, they're unpatched. When that is there, you can potentially, or, or a, a, a black hat can potentially exploit those zero-day vulnerabilities and use that to do other bad things. Oh, yeah. Especially in your backup infrastructure where you it's not just that the backups may be affected, but backup infrastructure has access to pretty much everything in the environment. Yes. Right. So once they get in, they could potentially move horizontally across your environment. For those who have seen The Matrix, I think it's part three. The backup system is the key master, (laughs) right? (laughs) Because you've got keys to everything, right? So, yes, a backup system should be secured perhaps even more. And I think it often goes on. I think it goes unnoticed or ignored. Certainly, I don't think it gets the the preference that it should because of this issue. I'm in agreement. And so and so I'm going to say, I think on this case, a a SaaS based system would be the easiest because you're relying on that vendor to basically the moment they discover vulnerability and they fix it, it's patched. You immediately get access to it. Now that doesn't mean that they're going to always do it. Right. It it just means that it's no longer your responsibility to enact that change. It's still your responsibility to make sure that it happened. Right. Um, And, and because you can never get rid of responsibility. Uh, and then the second best there would be the application or the the appliance model where they're going to do it. Um, well, I don't know, but even there, no, but even there, still, like you, I know we're still talk- relying on that vendor. I, I was actually yeah. going to say, I wonder if it's is it even better to let me rephrase. Let me rephrase my statement. The simpler, um, slightly less simple than the SaaS-based model is the appliance model because you're leaving it up to the vendor to discover the vulnerability, patch the vulnerability, and then they're going to supply you a patch that you just that you just have to upload. It may or may not be less or more secure than the other model where you're managing the application. I'm sorry, you're managing yep. the operating system because it, the responsibility lies on you, but you could actually possibly patch an OS vulnerability quicker than you could with the the vendor one where you're you're waiting on the vendor to supply the patch. Yeah, and and I think a perfect example is the Kaseya issue that happened a couple weeks ago, right? Where they had an issue with their vulnerability in their virtual software appliance and it took them time to patch it, right? It was like by the time they were notified and by the time they patched it, right? It had been exploited like a week before it was going to be patched. Right. And so those take time versus if it was an OS level vulnerability, potentially someone could have rolled out a patch quicker than having it go through the vendor. Right. Um, and then maybe, what, but, uh, but that's always, but that's always one of those things that I look at. The only time I've ever seen like OS vulnerabilities patch so quickly is when there are major issues like Spectre and all the mm-hmm, rest that happened mm-hmm, a couple mm-hmm, years mm-hmm. ago. 
But if it's just sort of something that may be a specific version that may not be used by other vendors, right? Maybe it's an older version that's compatible, right? You may not get as much focus. Right. And so I don't know if really the case where you're install you're responsible as an end user for the OS and the software versus an appliance vendor or a single package vendor. So you- I don't know if those two really are different in the sense, I don't know if one's better than yeah, the other. I, I don't think, I yeah, I don't know <laughs> if I have a strong, I'm sure listeners might have a strong opinion. I think it depends on the degree to which you're connected to the InfoSec community. Number one, it, it depends on the OS of choice. Number two, right? Uh, how quickly vulnerabilities in that OS tend to be patched. Um, it also depends on, the backup vendor that you might happen to be attached to, right? If, if your backup vendor is yep. a little slow in responding to security vulnerabilities, then that would change the answer, yep. right? You know, I just and, think and it also think depends on if things, that, right? Exactly. And I think it also depends on how important does that vendor take security? Like you were saying, right? They might be a bit slow, but they may not even have like an external bug bounty program. They may not even be getting reports from other people in the InfoSec community, right? All these things could also make a difference. Well, I know, uh, you know, I've interviewed uh, um, our our CISO and he was saying that w- when we do business with other vendors, we investigate their security practices. And occasionally we get answers like, well, we're on AWS and so we're secure. <laughs> and we're like, really? Like, that's it, right? I mean, certainly being on AWS gives you a certain it amount helps. of security. It certainly helps, but it doesn't, it doesn't automatically remove all security problems, yep. right? Um, exactly. Yeah. Um, so the other thing, we, we were talking about security and, and ransomware. So here I have to kind of look at a, a couple different models, um, th- th- a slightly different split than the, the previous split. Now here what we're talking about is where you store your data. Um, you um, One is... Tape, tape, no, not tape. there. I don't mean that. <laughs> I mean, how does that data get accessed? Is it a file on the file system that is read-writable on either a Windows or Linux uh, kernel, right? If it's a directly writable file by just a either a regular or a privileged user in the Any OS, client. right? Yeah. That is very, very bad place to be storing your backups, right? And if And if that's the way that you're storing your backups, you are in a, a massive risk of possibly being, you know, if the front end, the stuff that we were just talking about, if that fails and there's a privilege escalation attack and now somebody has, um, you know, root or admin on your backup server uh, or just the the level of privilege needed to write to the backup area, um, yep. you can get your backups encrypted with ransomware, which is just, horrible right um and don't think you're safe because you use vmware either there was some real some really interesting stories um recently about there are ransomware variants that are clearly very specifically targeting vmware they're running actual vmware commands um i do think it's funny I, i i'm slightly amused by this that the ransomware attackers they suspend the vm before they encrypt it do, do you know why? So that any of the antivirus defender software stuff doesn't no. work? Good guess, though. 
Okay, why? It's because when when you pay the ransom and they give you the encryption key, they want you to have a nice stable VM to run after you've after you've unencrypted it. <laughs> Isn't that just wrong? So they're yeah. so nice if they're so nice to suspend your VM before they encrypt it so that it'll be nice and stable when you turn it back on after you after you unencrypt it. That's just oh, that's just so wrong. It's just so wrong. Anyway, so yes. yeah, so don't think you're 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 invulnerable because you're running VMware. And again, I, I know I know that some listeners will say, well, of course he works for Druva, and that's uh, we're not the only ones that store data in object in the cloud, right? But I do think storing data in a different system, in a proprietary system that isn't directly accessible via your backup system as files, just you know, it, the, the more of those things that you do, the more you're protecting the backups against a ransomware attack. What would you say, though, for those? Because I know a lot of backup software and appliances mm-hmm. today, they do support the ability to write to objects. Right. And some of them, like Veeam, are able to support and they, they're able to set that yep. immutability flag, right? I, I think there's nothing wrong with that. I do think that it's an extra copy with an extra cost, right? Yeah. And so what I'm saying is, again, this discussion is about this article and about the idea of, of potentially you're giving your, you're, you're giving your backup system a second look. And I'm saying, hey, if you're going to give your backup system a second look and potentially change, if you're going to change backup systems, consider changing to one that doesn't store your backups directly accessible by the operating system. There are a, a number of ways to do that. There, there are ways to do it with Veeam. There are ways to do it with Combo, both of which use Windows-based uh, backup utilities. You just you just need to ask those questions, right? Yeah. Um, no, and that's what I just want to make sure, right? It's that we're saying that, look, because people may not even know that Veeam has that option to write to object store, right? And so... There are options out there, but that is one thing you should be looking at is how do you store it somewhere that you don't necessarily, your backup server doesn't have read-write access. I'm not to sure, and again, I, I should be forgiven. We, we should get Backup Dave back up on here. I'm not sure if um, it can directly write to, I think with Commvault, they can use an object okay. store as like the main repository. And I think Veeam, can use it as a copy repository. I'm not sure if it can be used as a direct repository. I could be wrong. Uh, again, I, well, I can't be wrong because I, I just said I'm not sure. I am right in the fact that I'm not sure. <laughs> so, so, but that there is a difference between supporting it as a place to copy your backups and supporting it as a place to store your backups, right? Because some, sure. I know that is true. some backup yeah. systems that I looked at, they have the ability to copy like older backups. They think of object storage as a place to put older backups. And, um, and part of that, part of the reason there is that they tend, when they copy backups into object storage, they tend to put it as like big blobs, like a, you know, one image of your VM is a big, is an object. And when you do that, it significantly slows your restore speed. Right. Whereas I know the way we store it, we store as lots of little pieces so you can restore them simultaneously and you get a faster restore speed. So anyway, uh, but from a security perspective, I do think that, any proprietary um, mechanism. And object is not the only one. Uh, I think, um, for example, using uh, like DD Boost, right? And and something like that, yep. where you have a proprietary connection mechanism. So if your backup system is compromised, they can't write the data. 
And I know like in the case of Rubrik, for example, they, they support a, it's their, their file systems, like a read only, append only file system. And so the, you, you, you wouldn't, uh, assuming that it was ransomware, it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't attack your, your, wouldn't be able to write Existing to your data. Stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we, we talked about this already. One of the questions I ask is how quickly your bugs and support issues dealt with. I, I think that's a, a big question to ask, right? You, if, if you have an existing vendor, um, you're going to know the answer to that question. If you're considering a new vendor, this is a question that you should ask. And, and I, I, there are a number of resources besides Google. What's that? Uh, Spiceworks, right? I think Spiceworks is a good place to go to ask fellow customers of that product how has the support been, especially with regards to bugs and support issues? Yeah. Yeah. And also, or just talk to other users. I'm sure there are other IT admin and other folks, you know, who are using the products you're looking at. So get their inputs as well. Yeah, absolutely. And doesn't Gartner have that, what is it, the peer review? Gartner one, has peer insights. Uh, there's yeah. peer insights and, and voice of the customer. I do think the Gartner Magic Quadrants can be very helpful here as well. You know, they're not the only source of evaluation of backup products, but I, I do think that they're, you know, they have an interesting voice. And I think uh, my favorite way, um, you know, to read the report, make sure you read both the good things and uh, the bad things about each vendor. And, and honestly, if you... <laughs> If you only have time to read one, uh, read the bad things because I I, I do think I do think that they they really reveal the issues that at least Gartner has with that particular uh, vendor that might help you to to know the, the the vendors to avoid. So in addition to the Gartner Peer Insights, there's Gartner Peer uh, Voice of a Customer. There's also Trust Radius as as another vendor uh, that you can use. Forrester is another um, analyst company that you can use. Uh, I, I think you know consult as many of those as you can. Uh, don't don't just pick one and stick with it, right? Yep. It's like when you're researching cars, you're looking for various information from different sources. Exactly. Uh, all right. So then the next thing they have is about you know how fast data can be restored, and that is that sh should go without saying, but it it doesn't. <laughs> right. Make sure you do once you've gotten it down to a a short list of vendors that potentially could meet your needs then do some POC stuff, right? Totally agree that you should do POCs. And I think especially with ransomware, it becomes important to look at not only what does it take to restore data, but don't just pick the latest point mm -hmm. backup to restore, mm -hmm. especially with ransomware. You could have been affected two weeks ago, three weeks ago, right? right? What's your last good point, right, right of data? Right. So some vendors may be more optimized for your latest backup. I can get you back really quickly, but older backups may right. not be. So look at each backup vendor, look at their technologies and decide what makes sense for you. And the, 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 the article here mentions regular restores as well as full DR, right? There is... There, there, there is a huge, you know, a range of capabilities out there right now of disaster recovery as a service. I do think that for most companies, the way to do this today is to use the cloud as your recovery area, right? Not, not to provide, not to use a, um, like a recovery data center for most companies, uh, unless you've got like unlimited budget and all that, and the need to have it all local and all <laughs> yeah. that kind of stuff. Try out what it's like to do their DR stuff. Uh, and then of course they mentioned about backup being protected from ransomware, which, which we kind of already uh, covered. The final section of this article talked about working from home doesn't change the basics, which we kind of covered, 
I think already in the beginning. And that is, it, it doesn't change the basics that data needs to be protected. And the, the fact that the data might be getting created on hundreds or thousands of laptops all over the planet, you don't get a pass on protecting that data. If the yep. data used to be getting created in the, in the data center because that's the way everybody did everything, but now everybody's remote, or at least a bunch of people are remote, you don't get to say, oh, well, it's because of the pandemic. We weren't backing up the laptops, right? I would also like to suggest that once people get used to working on their laptops as opposed to using a corporate file server, I don't think you can un I don't think you can put that genie back on the model. <laughs> nope, you cannot. Yeah, there's no way people are going to be like, oh yeah, no, I want to now start using a file server again. They'll be like, that's like going back to the Stone Ages. Right, right. The other thing I was also going to mention, Curtis, is talking about working from home. Yeah. Because you may not necessarily have all the same level of network security that you do <laughs> in a corporate environment, you also become more likely for phishing attacks, ransomware, yep. and other yep. things. So it becomes even more crucial that your backup environment, your backup solution can handle all these new, newer issues, problems. Right, right. And uh, oh, one one issue that, I, that, that the article mentioned that I forgot to bring up, and that was scalability. They asked the question is, how, how easy can this environment scale? Again, this goes back to the way that the three different ways that you can buy it. If it's your box, you have to scale the back end, you have to scale the storage, and you have to scale the, the, you know, the additional um, servers to load additional copies of your backup software. If it's one of these hyper-converged backup uh, systems, they tend to be scale out. So those are easier to scale. Um, and then I'd say the the easiest to scale would be a SaaS solution where you don't have any scaling issues, right? The the system it's like Office three sixty five. If you want more seats, you just buy more seats. The back end infrastructure that has to happen to make that happen is all the vendor's problem. Um, so yep. I, I do think from a scalability perspective that the SaaS guys win the day. There is a limit to scalability. Um, the laws of physics still apply. So if you you know if you got a ten petabyte data center and a T one line. This probably isn't going to work for you, right? <laughs> I don't know. Does anybody still have T1 lines? I don't know. I hope not. <laughs> so, yeah, I think scalability is another area when you look at what it's like to 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 uh, scale your system out. So it's an interesting article. Again, uh, thanks again to Sandra Vogel uh, from itpro.co.uk on writing the article. And I would uh, recommend that the title of the article is the same as this podcast, which is How Good Is Your Backup Really? Feel free to read it yourself. And with that, Prasanna, any final words of wisdom? The only thing, just going back to what we had started with, is take this opportunity to really figure out what you need to solve these problems, mm -hmm. these backup problems, right? And figure out and come up with a plan because... You should probably strike while the iron is hot yes. and while these issues are going yes. on. So to bring in another <laughs> metaphor, I like that. Strike while the iron is hot. And the iron is certainly hot. And the sky is certainly falling. Right? It's like <laughs> look you, at that too. You can go, you can go <laughs> in, you know, you can go in and say, look, people are actively attacking backup systems. This isn't a, you know, here is all this evidence of of, of ransomware companies actively attacking backup systems and you know we need to uh make sure that we have a backup system that is scalable it is that it, you know is high performance both from a backup and a restore perspective as well as highly secure right and um perhaps now is the time to make that 
uh, make that move. All right. Well, uh, thanks. Thanks for hanging out with me again, Persona. Anytime, Curtis. One day we will have to be in person again. One day in person. And I'll bring some brisket. Does that sound good? Ooh, yummy. All right. And thanks to the listeners. And remember to subscribe so that you can restore it all. isn't worth a spit finally i needed your backup you had a chance to fix it instead it's all jacked up see how i'll write on facebook about you don't underestimate the things that i will do there was a file but i deleted it too bad your backup system isn't worth a spit Maybe one day it'll all work out. You're sure so.